Good morning and welcome to our Friday morning chapel. Let us begin with the prayer as printed responsively. My dear Father, help me this morning and always that I may worship you in spirit and truth and desire nothing but that which is in accord with your will. Enlighten me with your Holy Spirit and cleanse my conscience from all dead works that today and always I may serve you in faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that I may not resist your grace and turn your great gift from me. Lord, this shall be my glory and my joy to draw from you as the true fountain of grace, strength and blessing unto every good work. Do not leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is taken from what is known as Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, 
lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Talk to any pastor, they'll tell you that one of the more difficult aspects of their work is trying to get delinquent members to come back to church. It's often a a difficult task, and you'll hear a lot of excuses, and sometimes people avoid you. Years ago, a friend of mine who was a pastor told me a story of a situation he had with an elderly gentleman in his congregation who just would not come to church. And every time he'd contact him and ask him if he wanted to be released from membership, he'd say, no, I want to stay a member, but I just don't want to come to church. And finally, this man was hit with a bad stroke that paralyzed about half of his body. And he called up the pastor and asked him to come and visit him now in the nursing home, which he did, and was planning to do then on a very regular basis, as pastors do. And he said from that point on, the man very tearfully would apologize to him every time that he came to see him for staying away from God's word and would show such deep appreciation for his Savior that prior to that, prior to the stroke, he didn't have. It's interesting that God can sometimes use some pretty bad things in our lives to to wake us up. St. Paul is expressing something that takes place in his personal life, and under God's guidance and wisdom, this thorn in the flesh that he describes is something that God has permitted to sort of strike him, allows this to hit him. So he calls it a thorn in the flesh, and we, there's always been great speculation, what exactly was this? I think in a way it might be the, God, the Holy Spirit's choosing not to tell us what it was so that every one of us can read our own thorn into the flesh into this text. But Paul knows the source of this evil. He calls it a messenger of Satan to torment him, a messenger of Satan. So he rightly ascribes the the source, the original source of evil in the world to Satan. But then he says, it was sent to buffet me. It's a weird word. It means to torment me, to trouble me, to bother me. It's the same word that was used to describe how the soldiers beat Jesus up with their fists. It's a a word that describes an abusive attack. So he says it was a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to beat him up. And yet what's interesting, he knows it comes ultimately from the fountain of the devil himself, and yet who does he ask to have it stop? He pleads with God. He pleads with him three times that it might depart from him. Now, that's a very important distinction for us to understand and to know. Okay, First of all, God is never the instigator or the architect or the author of evil. We should never ascribe evil to coming from God. St. John says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no evil in the heart of God toward anyone. And yet, in his wisdom, 
God at times may permit evil to come and channel it and funnel it in such a way that it hits and strikes you in your life in a way that ultimately will serve his good purpose. Now the trouble for us often is that this, this isn't something that's real apparent to us on the surface. It's not something that is so clear and obvious to us when things happen to us that, that maybe we start to wonder about. And when we try to analyze situations in our life based upon logic and based upon our reason and our assessment, we might conclude that God is punishing us. God might be mad at me for something. Maybe God is powerless. Maybe God can't do anything about this. But St. Paul expresses for us why this all starts to happen to him, why God permits this evil to hit him. He says, lest I be exalted above measure. In other words, in order to keep me from thinking so highly of myself. So, have you ever thought about it in your life when things are going too smoothly? And that's, that's the time it's pretty easy to forget about God. Okay, when everything's going nice in your life and things are just clicking along and moving along, it's kind of easy at that point. To, who, who needs God? You're the one in control. You're the one that seems to be handling everything and making everything happen. So... Sometimes God permits these evils to take place to us to wake us up spiritually. And we may have a tendency at those easy times in life to kind of become proud about our lives, proud about ourselves. And sometimes God needs to do things like this to humble us. I think one of the reasons why it's easy to neglect your spiritual life when you are in college, I had the same struggles, I think one of the reasons that that is easy at this age in life is because probably most of you here today, and I was the same when I was your age, we haven't really had a lot of trials in life yet. Maybe some of you have, and I know once in a while some of you have, but the kinds of trials that may be coming ahead in your life are, are probably, for most of us, heavier as we get older than when we're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And so it, it might be a time in life when it's easy to sort of forget about God. When I was about nine years old, uh, my dad liked to go out fishing, trolling, and uh, we'd often go out into the deep part of the lake, and I didn't think I needed to wear a life jacket, and I'd often argue with my dad. I imagine if you would, my dad, my dad never did this, but imagine if you would, an arrogant nine-year-old kid who uh, does not want to wear a life jacket as they go out onto a deep lake. And his father keeps badgering him to do this, and he doesn't want to do it. And finally, the father takes the son, grabs him by the jacket in the back, and lifts him over the side of the boat and dunks him down into the water so he can get a little bit of a feel what it would be like to be in the lake without. And the kid starts to squirm and, and get all excited and afraid. And finally, the dad pulls him back up into the boat, and he says, now do you see why you need to wear a life jacket? Suddenly, that young child who realizes his uh, frailty, realizes how vulnerable he is, is suddenly safer than he's ever been. He suddenly is, is more willing to cling to that life preserver than he ever was before. One of God's best ways to empty you and me of our pride is to sometimes let us go through some really difficult things, to dunk us in the lake, to just dunk us in the lake. How often do you and I kind of look at, at people who have a lot of money and their lives are going easy and maybe they're popular and whatever, and we, we just assume that that would be the best way to have my life go, to have all of that prestige and fame and power and money. 
And yet, in God's wisdom, maybe the best way to get you to heaven is to have to take you down the welfare line. Maybe that's the path that God feels you and I need to go in life in order to stay with Christ and to keep our reliance on him and not on ourselves and to, to rip the pride out of our hearts in order to keep our faith holding on to our Savior and his precious word that he's given to us. A man that used to preach from Bethany's chapel pulpit named Norman Madsen once wrote this regarding believers in this life. He said, It is while they are living in the shadow of some cross that God lays hold of their souls most tightly. So St. Paul finally, through this process, comes to realize something and expresses it with these words. He says, When I am weak, then I am strong. When the nine-year-old boy, dripping with water, gets back in the boat and realizes how vulnerable he is, he's now safer than ever. He now puts his reliance on that coat that's going to save him. When will you in your life, or when have you in your life, been clinging to Christ the most tightly, with white knuckles? When have you cared the most about his word? When have you in your life had the greatest, strongest thoughts about making sure you get to go to heaven? Frequently, for believers in this life, it's when they go through trials and difficulties. So God invites you today, whether it's things in your past or present or in the future, God invites you today to look at the struggles and trials in your life in a completely different light. Listen to what Paul says at the conclusion. Therefore, most gladly, he says, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Imagine St. Imagine Paul, when he finally arrives in, arrives in heaven, it's not too hard to imagine him going up to God and saying, thank you for the thorn in the flesh. Thank you for the trials that you put me through. So what will be the thing that you go to thank God for in your life that right now you maybe wouldn't think to do that about? What might be the thing someday in your life that you go to God in heaven to thank him for? You know, right now, in our culture and in our society, Christians are undergoing some psychological persecution. There might even be someday some political and, and other types of persecution coming to us. And we, we hate that, of course. It's hard, and it's, we have to struggle with that, and it's difficult. But we may find out in heaven someday that that was the way God caused us to hold on to Christ even more, to grab onto his, his wonderful truth even more, and to hold on to the precious gift of salvation he's given us even more. Lord, give us such a faith. Amen. Please rise, and let's join in our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Depart in peace. Amen.